Chapter 8, uh, I didn't put a verse reference there because I'm not sure how much we're going to ha- tackle today. It's Like I said, it's, it's, we're going to get into some pretty um, deep territory, so we're going to tread as slow or as fast as necessary. But we'll start in verse 1. Uh, if we can get the next slide, we can um, let you know what we're talking to talk about, first of all. Um, we're talking about care and ministry. Jesus just gave a sermon. And a lot of times after sermon, you know, after, uh, you know, a lesson after a Bible teaching, you know, we have a, re- a reaction, you know, we have a, um, uh, people are touched intellectually with the mind, they hear things and they're moved. Um, here we're going to see a fellow who's stricken with leprosy and, uh, and he hears, he believes and we're going to see his reaction to it. He's humbled. He falls before the Lord. Sometimes after hearing the words, Lord, or the words from God, we, we need to be moved in such a similar way to see our sickness, to see our illness, to see our shortcomings, whatever it may be, morally, internally, externally, and yet to humble ourselves, to fall on our knees humbly before the Lord and say, you are Lord, you are the chief, you are the boss, heal me. And so the issue we're going to see here is in reference to model leprosy. So just to kind of setting it up, what we're dealing with when we talk about Here's the kind of some excerpts I took from modern resources uh, on what they see. You know, leprosy is um, it's it's caused by a slow growing or a, a baculus. And there's a, a Latin word afterward if you want to read it. I'm not great at Latin words, especially big ones. And it's transmitted via droplets from the nose and mouth of untreated patients with severe disease. It's not highly infectious, which is interesting because classically we're going to see that there was how the way we were treated would make you think they were highly infectious, but we found that they're not. Uh, if left untreated, the disease can cause nerve damage, leading to muscle weaknesses, and atrophy, and permanent disability. And I also add this next portion as well as I thought was interesting because this still happens today as it was in Christ's time in regards to leprosy, fear, prejudice, and superstition. In many communities, mean that people affected by leprosy don't just have to cope with the effects of the disease itself. They often face stigma, persecution, and injustice, making life doubly difficult. Now, we don't see much of this in, in the Western world because of um, um, sanitary, you know, you know, where we, we keep our food generally pretty clean. You know, our sanitation is, is, is well managed and kept. Um, and so general cleanliness that, that we are privy to in the Western world, we don't see much of it. But in some of the kind of, you know, parts of the world where, where there's a lot more un, unclean, unsafe, you know, places to, to live, to eat and, and whatnot, this bacteria can actually um, still exist. And so it is still a diagnosed condition today. Um, but like I said, we don't see much in our world, but it is. But so with that, you think of kind of the kind of worlds, kind of places that you would see leprosy because of the, maybe the untreated water or the, you know, poor sanitation systems, maybe food being infected because of this. 
that um, because of the, the kind of environment that these that, that obviously would come up that maybe there would be maybe kind of an old world way of looking at things so the superstition might come up you know oh you're being judged by god whatever which is exactly how people in jesus time saw it maybe a judgment from god himself next slide please and so in the hebrew the word hebrew word for leprosy actually is literally translates smiting or a stroke to be hit literally by someone or something it's almost like god has smited you for your, your evil, your wicked heart. And that's the way it was looked at. And so when Jesus was dealing with this, these people, he, he didn't deal with just one person, but when he touched a person with leprosy, many people wouldn't touch him. They wouldn't deal with him because of this divine judgment or wrath. This is mentality of this person being lesser than us, morally speaking. And the Greek, um, lepra, was the word where we get leprosy from, which... Um, the Greek physicians designated the disease from its scaliness. So the, the Greek word the lepra would talk about, or would indicate the scales or the, you know, the, the, the skin you know, condition that would be obvious, would be seen by people. And so lepers were required to live outside of the sit, camp of the city. And this is actually, we find that in scriptures, numbers. Also, the disease was regarded as an awful punishment from the Lord. And we see that also in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. In Christ's day, no leper could live in a walled town, though he might in an open village. But whatever he was, he was required to have his outer garment rent as a sign of deep grief, to go bareheaded and to cover his beard with his mantle, as if in lamentation at his own virtual death. He had further to warn passerbys, to keep away from him by calling out, unclean, unclean. Nor could he speak to anyone or receive a return of salvation, since in the East this involves an embrace. So think about that. Think about this. You're sick. I mean, think about how we treat people in our community. Generally, if somebody has a learning disability or, or an illness, we usually treat them pretty good. Imagine this, having an illness and on top of that being an outcast, where you were walking down the street and you saw somebody maybe an old schoolmate because you haven't gone to school for so long because you got this illness. They're taking you out of school. And so you see your old schoolmates you used to be chums with and they're walking towards you. But because you have this illness, you have to shout out, unclean, unclean. And everybody's looking in the village, looking at you and going, oh yeah, it's them. How humiliating, how horrible, how that would crush a soul. And you couldn't even say hi or goodbye because again, as it says here in the East, a lot of times a part of the custom like, you know, here in the West, we have a handshake. But part of the custom is to have an embrace, a cuddle, or maybe a kiss. But you wouldn't want to cuddle or kiss somebody who's infected with something that you thought was highly contagious. So you, were, you couldn't say hi. So you couldn't really have a conversation. You weren't welcomed. And that is sad. That social, you know, pressure and prejudice on top of the actual disease itself. But then the small, simple statement on the bottom of the slide here says it all. Our Lord, he cures lepers. He cures. Look at him. He touches. Nobody else will touch. Nobody else will say hi yet. Nobody else would spend any amount of time or day. And of course, I got this all from the Eastern Bible Dictionary. But. And so the next slide, please. So we come to our scriptures in Matthew 8. And we're going to look at 1 through 4 at first. And I say this, Jesus is Lord. And that's it. He gave a sermon. And this is where it starts, where he came down from the mountainside. 
Okay, so that mountainside is where he gave the sermon. He's teaching, preaching. What? Now, down here, I put down here as a note. What was he doing in the sermon? We know it. We've been spending the last several weeks doing it. He was, talk, he was giving a sermon. He was teaching people about blessings. And how can he say God's blessed you? All you various people, you down and out, you sick, you mournful, you wretched people. How could he say that God's blessing you if he's not going to do something about it? And he has. Jesus is with them, and he's with us, and he is doing something. He is going to do, he will do something about it. And a big part of it is also put the word, is he willing? Because a big part of the sermon was this. Not only we talk about being good, but we also talked about the will of God. And a lot of the sermon was about the will of God and being in line, in step with the will of God. What God wants, what God has decided, what God has planned, what God is doing. And of course he spoke about being, bearing light and bearing good fruit. And the reason why I remind us that is because this is very much so what Jesus is going to do. He preaches it, now he's going to live it. He said, look at my life. So now he's going to practice what he preaches, if you will. What is the will of God? He wants to bless, he wants to care, and he wants to use me. And so we have opportunity to bear light. We have opportunity to bear good fruit. All the things that we learn, Jesus preaching from his very own mouth. So he's done. He comes down from the mountainside. He leaves the sermon place. And he sees a large crowd that's following him. This large crowd that's hearing him and wanting to see what next, Jesus. And then a man, here's what's next, with leprosy. You know, he comes, and look at his attitude. He comes kneeling before him. He knows he's not allowed around. He needs to be shot and unclean, but he's brave. And so hearing Jesus, seeing Jesus, he's taking a chance. He's being brave. He's going, I need to be healed. And so I will go to Jesus. And he goes to him humbly, not like, oh, Jesus, you got to heal me if you say you're the Lord. you got to heal me if you say you God. But no, he says, Lord, you're, you're the, it's your will. You're the boss. If you are willing. So you are Lord. You're the king of the kings. And lords of lords, if you are willing, if it's your desire, please make me clean. And how is he response? Jesus responds by reaching out his hand and touching the man. Something, again, as we looked in the background, is something that would be unacceptable. Jesus, first of all, he taught with authority, which was unacceptable. And people were shocked by it. Now he's doing something else that's unacceptable. He's touching someone he's not supposed to touch. To heal him, to care for him. Many, many of the other religious leaders walk past him, very wide berthed. But Jesus allows him to walk directly up to him, and then he reciprocates it with a warm touch. This man probably hasn't been touched for a long, 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 long time. And he says, I am willing to heal. And so he says, be clean. And be clean literally translates, you know, to be cured. So again, you know, we, we, a lot of people would, would we wonder, what does it mean clean? Does it mean moral cleanliness? Does it mean he's, he's a sinner and he's no longer sin? That might be the case, and that probably is the case. But what he's saying here is be cured. He's interested in the leprosy. He's interested in what he's suffering from. He's interested in what he's, what, what, what's got him. And so he says, be clean, be cured. And look at the, what happens immediately. He was cleansed. He was cured immediately from his leprosy. And then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony or as a proof, as a witness to them. So, again, Jesus said earlier that he didn't come to abolish the law, to fulfill the law. And so Jesus hasn't died on the cross yet. So as far as like sins, as far as the rituals are concerned, they still need to do it. 
Okay, now we don't need to do these hard ritualistic you know, ceremonies that, that Moses was, was received from the Lord because Jesus has died on the cross, but he hasn't died. He hasn't suffered on the cross yet. So these things need to happen. And not only that, but it's a witness. It's a testimony. Like how when Jesus was baptized, it was a testimony. It was a witness to the world. Look, here is Jesus. Look, here is the Son of God. So here, he was healed. Now go to these religious leaders and let them know you were healed. You're cleansed now. You're cleansed. Let this be a testimony of the Son of God. Next slide, please. But that's is asking the question if he is willing. But what if he is not willing? What if he wills not? And with that, I'm, we're gonna, we're, the rest of this chapter and, 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 and bits of the chapters after that, we're going to see a lot of healing. And in regards to healing, I want to talk about healing, you know, a little bit. And, and so we're going to spend maybe the rest, well, definitely the rest of today, and maybe even a little bit next week, if we don't have time to finish talking about God and healing, you know, and building um, an idea a theology, if you will, you know, of what, what healing is all about in, in regards to our day even. Because we don't see Jesus walking about like he did in the first century, touching people to heal them, you know. We don't see the apostles walking around touching people to heal people. But yet, still, we still have illnesses and we still believe and trust that God does and will heal. So what, but then again, the man, the leper, he says, what, you know, if you will. And he says, I do will. And he healed him. But sometimes Jesus may not will that a person is healed. And here's an example. Now, bear with me. There's a lot of scriptures I'm going to read today. So bear with me. But also, this one here is an interesting one. It's confound, and it's a big... If you look at it and read it straight forward, it might seem pretty simple. It's another healing situation. But the profanity in this, what has got a lot of people sitting up and thinking, as far as Bible students or scholars, however you want to call them, is, 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 is kind of the, the subtle information or the mundane information found in this portion. So walk with me and walk, look at the subtle or, uh, or mundane information and see what's happening here, okay? So in Acts 3, 1, it says this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer in three in the afternoon, as you would normally do. Now, a man who was lame from birth, he couldn't walk, unable to walk since he was born, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. He was carried to this gate, this gate, which was in a common area in a, in a very common part of Jerusalem. It's the temple. It's the temple. It was a very busy place. And he was, this place called Beautiful, this gate called Beautiful was believed to be one of the most common passageways, maybe between where the Gentiles and the Jews would be. Okay? And so it was a very common place, a good place to go to beg for money because a lot of people would pass by. So very strategic. So this man was here, a very common place. And anybody who passed by would see him. And he was put there every day, every single day. So you get this subtle information because it's very important. And he's there to beg. Beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. So they probably recognize him. They've seen him before. And here they are. They stop. They look. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting Get a little something from it. But then Peter said, There'll be no money of any kind. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now, it's about Jesus. Jesus is there. Remember we talked about last week. Now how do we follow after God? The disciples, they easily followed Jesus. Where he went, they followed behind him. 
Where he was, they were there with him, and they learned from him. But how do we do it now? It's the spirit of the living God. He says, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to leave you the spirit. So that's them. They're falling off the spirit. And so the spirit of God says, hey, heal this man. And Jesus, in the name of Jesus, because Jesus is there doing the work. And Jesus, because of the power and the work and the name of Jesus, walk. So they take him by the right hand, helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to the feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. So not able to walk, now jumping, walking, running, praising God, of course. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him. So these people saw, recognized him as proof. These, this man is the man, for sure. The same very man, for sure, who was there, sitting at the temple gate every day for so many years at that common place day after day after day okay and so because that they're filled with wonder amazement at what just happened so but wait a minute you may be asking yourselves that man was healed i thought you're talking about when god jesus wills not when jesus doesn't heal someone but that man was healed okay he was healed but how many times and for how many years did Jesus walk by this man and not stop to heal him? Jesus was at the temple all the time. And if this man was sitting there every day for how many years, Jesus walked by him and didn't heal him. Why? Here's some proof texts. I put three of them there. I'm not going to read them exhaustively. But just taking out, you know, John 18, 20 says that I always taught in the synagogues in the temple. He was there at the temple. Mark 12 he says that he watched the crowds putting money into the temple treasury. He was there at the temple. And then in John 2, 13 through 16, was part I highlighted here on the very bottom one, that in the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves. So he was there, and, he, and what draw his attention was a woman giving a bit of money out of her, you know, very little that she had. Here he hears Jesus see him, People taking advantage of the temple and ripping people off, and he's frustrated by it. But, but yet, uh, little man never got his attention in the sense to heal him. I'm sure he saw him. I'm sure he recognized him. I'm sure he was very familiar with him. But he wasn't healed yet. Jesus didn't heal him. Why not? Well, let's look at the fruit of the day. Again, it's about God's will, what God wants, and what brings good fruit. So let's look at the fruit of the day. So we're back now in Acts 4. Reading verses 4 to 21. But many who heard the message believed. Now what message is the message? That the, the, this man who was lame, who couldn't walk since he was born and was there, he's now healed. So everybody's talking about The news is like rampant through the town. Can you believe it? Remember that guy? He's always sitting there. And he's by the, 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 the gate. Beautiful. And he's there all the time asking us for money. And he can't walk. We know he can't walk. He's been there. He's, we know he can't walk. Remember when we were kids, we tried to trip him up and everything? He can't walk, right? Now listen, he's walking about. He's healed. So people are hearing this and they're believing. They're being filled with faith that God is real and Jesus is the Son of God. And he's real. The gospel's real. So you see there's some fruit here. This is strategic, the timing. So the number of the men who believed grew to be about 5,000. The reason why he says men is because at that time, that's how they would take count. So if there's 5,000 men, there could have been easily 10,000 people that day who came to know Jesus Christ. And the next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. 
Ananias, the high priest, was there, and so was Cephas and John, Alexander, all these big, big, big wigs of the time, as far as the religious is concerned. Alexander, the others, the high priest family, they happened to be there. Do you think God timed this? Absolutely, he didn't happen to be there. God timed this. Then Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. But what power or by what name did you do this? How did this happen? What kind of magic, what kind of voodoo are you pulling here? But Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And we know that because he's following the Holy Spirit. And God said, all the time you walk by, all the time Jesus walked by, all the time all the other fellows walked by and could heal them, they didn't. But the Holy Spirit said, stop, I'm going to heal that man today. I decide to. It's my will. I will to do it. And this is why. So that 10,000 people can be saved. 10,000 people can come to know God. So that this encounter with these religious people could happen. So why power? By the power of God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus was there in the name of Jesus. And he said to, the, to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness, show to a man who was lame and, and, and are being asked how to, he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Again, confirming, it's Jesus who's doing this, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. He's alive. And Jesus healed us. It was Jesus' decision, Jesus' will. He didn't will three years ago, four years ago, but he wills to stay. And this man stands before you healed. So it's Jesus. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the foundation. But he's the starting point. He is the starting point, the foundation point of the foundation. He's what we build our faith and build our lives upon. Salvation is found by no one else, for there is no other name under heaven to give to mankind by which we must be saved. And then going on, we, they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled. Or These are just regular guys. And they're blown away by their faith and their knowledge and they're, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who has been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So the, they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then confer together. What are we to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. So everybody sees it, everybody's talking about it, there's no denying it, so they're stuck. These religious leaders have to make a decision. Are you going to take Jesus or not? Are you going to bend your ways to him or not? So then they call them again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all. In the name of Jesus. So they've made this decision. They're not for Jesus. Don't talk about him no more. But Peter and John replied, rightfully so. And they say, Which is, what's right? What should we do? What's just and right in God's eyes? And that's, that's what matters. We shouldn't ask ourselves what's right and just in man's eyes. We should ask ourselves what's right and just. What should we do in God's eyes? What does God see? We live at the beat of God's drums. And what he sees in us, what he thinks and what he has for us. What is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? You be the judges. And of course, that's a no-brainer. You must listen to God. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they were let go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what has happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. For 40 years, the man couldn't walk. 40 years. His friends, his family had to pick him up 
and walk them around. I had to pick them up and take them to this beautiful gate. I had to put them down and say, love you, pal. Love you, son. Love you, brother. Beg for money. That's all we got for you. 40 years. Jesus walked by. Boss walked by. 40 years. Next slide, please. So I guess the question is this. Don't we all want to be used by God? <laughs> Don't we want to be used by God? Don't we want to be an instrument in God's kingdom? Well, according to John 9, 3, it says that Jesus said, but this happens so the work of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can do work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Again, the work of God. Jesus, he healed this person for the glory of God to make an influence, to make an impact, to make a matter in the world at this time. This is a different situation where Jesus healed a blind man. And of course, the people were confused. Why is this man blind? Is this because his parents are sinners or is he a sinner? And Jesus says, bogus, neither. This man was healed, was blind to bring glory to God. This man had his ability to bring glory to God. He goes, I am the light of the world. See the light. See the good work that I told you back in that sermon I was going to do. And so he healed the man. And he says, this is so that the works of God might be displayed in him. God wants to use this man. God loves this man. He wants to use this man in a wonderful way. So he heals him to glorify God. Paul, he was used by God. Paul was, everybody knows about Paul. Paul wrote most of the Bible, the New Testament part at least. He was mightily loved, mightily used by God. There's no doubt about it. He had a disability that was never healed. In 2 Corinthians 12, it says this, down there. I was given a thorn in the flesh. In other words, it was a disability. Okay? Some say it was an eye condition. And that's why he had a lot of his, his letters were transcribed for him. He would dictate them, and they were written out. And at the end, he might sign the big, ginormous letters his name because he, had, he struggled to see because this really bad eye condition he had. It was a disability. So I was given a disability, uh, which was, in his opinion, a messenger from Satan <laughs> sent to torment him. Three times I plead with the Lord. He prayed, God, heal me to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that the Christ's power may rest on me. Some pretty big words in there, by the way, guys. God's grace. Do you trust me? Do you trust I love you and I care for you and I'm with you? That should be sufficient or enough. My power, it actually comes through when you're at your lowest points, in your darkest moments. Christ's power may rest on you. Christ's power may rest. Through those weaknesses, through those hard times where we struggle because of whatever it is, or, you know, that's when God wants to come through for us and show us how awesome he is and how much he loves us so deeply and dearly. That is why, for Christ's sake, I will delight in weakness, Paul says. It's hard for me to say it, <laughs> but this is what Paul says. Paul's much more Christian than I am. <laughs> that is why, for Christ's sake, I will delight in weakness, in insult. How can we delight in insult? Oh, there's Blindy. Oh, there's Dafto. Oh, there's, you know, that kid. Whatever. In insults, in hardships, having to be picked up and lifted, having to be led by the hand because he can't see, having to be whatever. In persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
What a theology, what a perspective. You know what, yeah, I am weak in this fleshly body, but you know what, God is spirit and he's powerful. He heals, he can heal me. He decided not to heal Paul. He may not decide to heal other people as well, but he can still use them. He can still do mighty powerful things through them and in them like he did with Paul. He did crazy things with Paul. Paul was, seemed to be beat up all the time. But nothing but good things happened with Paul's life as far as fruits are concerned. He wrote so much. God had to put him in prison. <laughs> this to slow him down enough and give him some paper and some pen to write the New Testament. Aren't you glad that we have the New Testament to learn about God? He had to slow him down. Paul was the kind of guy who wouldn't stop running. So he had to give him this thorn in the flesh, this disability. He had to put him in prison for a little while so he could stop and write what we have now and take for granted most of us. This thing sitting on our lap called the Bible. Um, next slide, please. We got a little bit of time and I want to maybe deal with this next section. You know what? Hit escape. Hit escape. I'm, I'm going to do that next week. We got five minutes and I think it's good to actually maybe, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna continue this next week. Um, and, and it's, it's going to make sense because what I'll do is I'll take the section that, that I have left here and make that run right into the next healing because Jesus is going to do some more healings. So it would be kind of good to continue to not overwhelm, but just take a little bit at a time. Okay? So we're going to continue with this idea of why God heals sometimes and not other times. And that's going to move into seeing him heal. And, and when I like to see these various healings, what I like to see is a lot of people say it's for God's glory. And it's true. It is for God's glory. We've already seen that. But what I like to see, though, is the humanity in it as well. Okay, so we see Jesus does. And sometimes we get confused a little bit by thinking, is God willing or is he not willing? We can see, we're going to see reasons why he may or may not heal. But I also like to see humanity, the human response and the human involvement. Because again, with this man who was a leper, he was brave. He believed. He stepped out. He trusted. He was humble. He fell on his face before the Lord and said, heal me, please. He asked all that, and I like that. I think we should take that on ourselves. Because I think all of us know somebody who needs healing, somebody who's suffering from something, and we need to be like Christ to them. And maybe we are those who are suffering, you know, and we need to be like those who call upon the Lord in faith. Um, again, you know, so I like to look at the human response and how people, you know, come to Jesus and, and the way how they respond to him, as well as what Jesus does for them. Uh, it's all quite important as far as, you know, th these scriptures. And like I said, this is pretty intense after sermon <laughs> kind of care and ministry. Jesus must have been tired preaching and preaching and preaching, coming down the mountain. You know, he doesn't have a car to drive home. He's got to walk home. <laughs> but yet he stops and ministers to these sick people.